This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. Our Miss Brooks is waiting in the wings, and we'll hear the story of bargain hats when we reach the half hour. To get us there, though, let's listen to another episode of a popular show in the 40s, Mr. District Attorney. Tonight's episode is entitled Glass Coffin. All right, Patsy, out you go. This is it. This is what, Nick? A studio of magnificent pictures, of which Joseph Stone is the owner and director. Well, there goes another illusion. I thought movie studios were all bright lights and glamour. This place looks like a stage set for the deserted village. Well, it's been locked up for the past ten years or so. Oh. That's funny. The gate's locked. And that's our cue to turn around and go home again. You've got a nice, tasty jewel robbery waiting for you to solve back in town, and you should be working on that. Instead of being way out here at the end of nowhere, playing around a forgotten movie studio. I guess I'll have to pick the lock. Okay, if you must. Patient Patsy will bear with your little game. This is no game, Patsy. Why, what do you mean? The house of Lulu Doré, the star of Stone's new picture, was broken into last night while she was at a dance. She was wearing her jewels, including the famous emeralds. Fortunately, though, nothing was stolen. There. There we are. All right, Patsy, go ahead. It's funny there isn't a gatekeeper around. It does, doesn't it? Well, I guess I haven't got a full staff for the studio, considering they moved back from Hollywood just to do this one show. Why did they do that, Nick? Oh, Doré had a run-of-the-pay contract for the show she's doing on Broadway and couldn't go west. Hey, there, where do you think you're going? Oh, so there is a door, uh, Gateman. I'm looking for Mr. Stone's office. Well, you can't see him. I'm afraid you don't understand. I'm Nicholas Carter. Mr. Stone's expecting me. I'm taking my orders from Lieutenant Riley of the Metropolitan Police. He says to admit no one. Riley? What's he doing here? Investigating a murder. Murder? I thought you said robbery, Nick. What murder? Come on, get out of here. I got my orders. Come on, Patsy. Let's find Riley or Joe Stone. Hey! You can't do that. Come back here. It's all right. I'll explain to the police. Hurry, Patsy. What what is this, Nick? Shall I plan to find out right now? And I take it this fellow Boyd who's been killed is a fairly unimportant chap, eh, Mr. Well, Stone? Well, yes, he, he was just a darn good electrician. Oh, doesn't seem to be any connection between his murder and the attempted robbery of Miss Doré. Well, no, there doesn't. Is Lieutenant Riley here now? Yes, yes, he's over on stage five. It's that building over there. Do you want me to come with you? Yes, I wish you would, Mr. Stone. There may be points I'd like to ask you about. I'd be glad to help, of course, if I can help. There's one thing I don't understand, Mr. Stone. You say Boyd was shot in the back with a poisoned arrow from a blowgun. It's an odd weapon. Should be fairly easy to trace. You don't have to trace it very far, Mr. Carter. The blowgun and the arrow were mine. Yours? Yes, well, you see, 11 years ago, I tried to do a picture about a voodoo witch doctor who used the blowgun in it. 
I don't suppose you remember the picture, Mr. Carter. It was called the Voodoo Curse. Oh, yes, yes, I do. You had a bit of trouble over it, I believe. A bit of trouble. Practically drove me into bankruptcy. I've imported a real voodoo witch doctor from Haiti, and he put a curse on the whole studio. Oh, come now, Stone. You don't really believe that. I don't know what I believe anymore. Eleven years ago, we had fires, we had explosions, we had mysterious thefts. We, we had just about everything. It got so that everybody was scared to work here. I had to close the studio, and, and now we have a murder. Why should the witch doctor put a hex on you? Oh, I had an argument with him, though, with a first salary of some sort. He, he swore he'd break me, and he almost did. Well, here, this is stage five here. Well, well, Nicholas Carter. Hi, Riley. <laughs> and Patsy. Hello. Well, what might you be doing here? He's come to help you, Lieutenant. Well, that's very obliging of him, I'm sure. Say, was that a crack? Why, of course not. Well, let's get to work. Riley, where was the body found? Right over there by that door, Nick, where the chalk marks are. Hmm. I wonder what he was doing way over here. He, he was setting up the stage, as I told you. But all his equipment's over there, clear across the set. Riley. How was he pacing when he died? He was lying on his face with his head towards that door, Nick. Shot in the back, wasn't he? Yep. We figured from the angle of the arrow that the blowgun fella must have been sitting up there on that catwalk when he killed him. Mr. Stone, what's behind that door that Boyd was heading for? Well, special electrical equipment, I believe, for special effects. Would Boyd have known that? Yes, of course. He worked on this stage years ago. He, he probably would have remembered. That's it, then. He was going into that room to see if he could find some special equipment he needed. That accounts for his being way over here. And you think there was something in there the killer didn't want him to see, Nick? Right, Riley. Let's go in. There's Nick. Oh, Stone, uh, give me your keys, will you? Keys? I, I I, have no keys for these rooms. Well, did Boyd have any? Well, I believe he had borrowed the caretaker set. Riley, did you search the corpse? Of course I did, Nick. No keys? No keys. I, I can get a locksmith out from the village. What? You have no duplicates? The place has been locked up so long. I, I never expected to come back here was trying to sell it, as a matter of fact. Take the lot, Nick. This seems to be your day for doing that. Just what I'm going to do, Patsy. I'll, I'll get you more light. Oh, he doesn't need light. He can see in the dark, practically. No, you don't have to see to pick a lock. There. There. And there. That's it. Now we'll get a look at what your killer didn't want Boyd to see. Here, here's the light switch. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Mm -hmm. Don't crowd in like that. Uh-huh. Look. Footprints. Footprints in the dust. Golly, Nick, there goes your theory. Boyd was here before he was killed and took out whatever it was he wanted. Well, it was a cute theory while it lasted. Maybe it's still a cute theory, as you call it. Uh, all we have to do now, Nick, is to measure the prints and see if they're Boyd's or not. They're not. How do you know? Yeah, you haven't even seen the body. These prints were made by leather-soled shoes. Right, Riley? Well, yeah, you're right, but... And Boyd was wearing rubber soles. How do you know he was, Nick? Correct me if I'm wrong, Stone. Don't all technicians on the soundstage wear rubber-soled shoes to kill any noise that the sound tracks might pick up? Well, you're right, Carter, they do. Now, those leather-soled prints mean that it wasn't Boyd, but our friend the murderer who used the keys he took from Boyd to get in here. They lead to that crate. Let's see what's in it. No, don't walk on the footprints. We need them as evidence. I'll wager you'll find the crate empty. The murderer didn't just walk over to it, look in, and walk out again. Oh, no. He took away everything he didn't want Boyd or anyone else to find. You're right, Nick. The crate is empty. Uh, shall we search the room, Nick? Well, what's the point in that? If there was anything here. It's gone by now. Murderer seen to that. I wonder what was in this crate. I wonder... Help! Help! No! Oh, Nick, the poor kid. What is it, Carter? Another murder. Another? 
Good Lord. Can you identify him, Stone? Why, it's Bill Daly, our camera punk. Camera punk? What's that? Oh, it's studio slang for assistant to the camera. Well, oh. you, you people are run too fast for me. Hey, oh, what's up here? See for yourself, Riley. Well, good gosh, another murder. And it looks from his position as if he was just coming out of that door over there. Well, that's funny. Both he and Boyd... Any idea what he was doing around here, Stone? Uh, yes, I, I sent him over here myself about an hour ago to look in that warehouse, see if there was any of that old photographic equipment we could remodel and use. Priorities, you know. Daly was very clever at that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a mean-looking knife he's got sticking in his throat, Nick. Knife? Good Lord. Well, what is it, Mr. Stone? That, that knife... It's from that same voodoo picture. There seem to be a few too many of those old props hanging around. Are there any more? Yes, there's a complete stock of weapons. Everything we used in that confounded picture. The voodoo curse? Yes. I rather think I'd like to see that film, Stone. Is there a copy of it around here anyplace? Well, as much as we ever shot of it, it was never finished, you know. Could you run it off for me? Certainly I will. I'll go arrange it now. Thanks. Well, Nick, what do you think? I'm not sure. Any opinions yourself? Yes, my money's on Stone's doing it. Stone? Why in the world would he do it? Well, I don't know. I haven't figured out the reason for it yet. But he acts kind of funny. Nervous, sort of. And he keeps talking about the place maybe being haunted. Oh, good heavens, Riley. Who wouldn't be nervous with all this murder going around? I know I am. Well, take the weapons, Nick. They all belong to him. But other people could have access to them, Riley. After all, Stone hasn't been here for over ten years. Mm. And there's something more important you've overlooked, Riley. Mm. What's that, Nick? How did Stone manage to throw that knife at Daly while he was with us? How do I know? We were all so busy looking at that star room on the set, he, he could have sneaked up. By golly, I'll bet that's how he did do oh, it. Oh, that's Stone beckoning to us. You want to go to see the movies, Riley? I got better things to do, Nick. I'm going to search this joint. How about you, Betsy? Sure thing. Why do you want to see it? I'm not sure, Betsy. But I've got sort of a hunch that the answer to all our questions lie hidden in that old picture. <laughs> Did all movie projectors make this racket ten years ago? Most of them, Patsy. Mm. Now listen. You don't believe in our voodoo magic, eh? Well, if you've been here long enough to see some of the things I've seen. Really, Ross, there's something uncanny about these natives. Call it coincidence if you like. Who's the woman? Gosh, she's good at home. That's Lula Dore, the star of the picture stone shooting here now. Well, their voices sound funny and teeny. Yeah, I certainly do. It's enough to scoff when you've just come down from the States. But it is magic. No other way to explain some of the things that happened. Magic, mumbo jumbo, you mean? You'll never convince me it's anything else. I suppose this is another of those wild dances. Now, there's a really good voice. Who is he? Now, don't tell me you don't remember him, Patsy. Huh. The name was Bart Tyson, great leading man, ten years back. Oh, I remember his name, of course. This is rather better than most of the dances I've seen. Patsy, I've heard that voice very recently. picture must be almost over now, Nick. Have you discovered anything? I'm not sure yet. Gosh, they had some pretty fancy photography in those days. I, I thought all that underwater swimming stuff was comparatively new. Oh, no. Stone was the first person to use it. Well, how did they do it? Look at that man swimming. It couldn't be faked. It isn't. It was taken through some sort of a glass tank. That native has been under 
water for 20 minutes. No human can hold his breath that long. That's what I've been telling you, Ross. They're magic, these natives. Magic. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. That voice. I've heard it somewhere before myself. I never heard Tyson act before. Hey, don't we see the ending? Nope. It's all they made, Patsy. The picture wasn't finished. Did you find out what you wanted to? I'm not quite sure. Well, Mr. Carter, did you like the picture? Oh, a very interesting stone. Oh, that Lula Dory certainly is beautiful, isn't she, Mr. Stone? I've never seen her in pictures before. Has she done anything else? No, nothing. Until now that she's starring in my new show on Broadway. That's funny. I think with her looks and her voice, she'd be a sensation. Mm, that's what I've always claimed. But, well, she got scared off after all these things happened during the filming of this one. And well, she's stuck to Broadway ever since. And when Tyson, her leading man, was hurt, she rather felt... Oh, I was wondering what happened to Tyson. From what I could gather from this show, he should have been a natural for talkies. Oh, he was. But we had a bad explosion, and his whole face was terribly scarred. That's why we could never finish this picture. He never could act in pictures again. Oh, what a shame. Well, Stone, thanks for showing us the film. Mind if we scout around after Riley? Oh, no, not at all. I, if you need me, I'll be on stage three. We're going to start shooting soon. Good. It's funny about Doré. She seems to be cropping up in our lives all over the place. Yes, she does, doesn't she? Patsy, if you find a telephone, get hold of Scubby. Mm -hmm. Find out what you can about Bart Tyson and what's happened to him since the accident. Okay, Nick. Where'd you be? If I don't see you before, I'll meet you at Stone's office at noon. Right. Oh, Nick. Nick Carter. Oh, Riley. Just looking for you. You found anything yet? Yeah, we found all the weapons from that voodoo movie. All except the ones we'd already found, that is. How'd you know you found them all? Stone had an inventory. We checked on it. Well, if your theory about Stone's correct, Riley, he could have falsified that inventory. Why should he? Well, perhaps he had a couple of weapons hidden somewhere and doesn't want us to know anything about them. Nick, the, the, the more I think about it, the less I like that guy. <laughs> Find anything else? No, 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 not a blessed thing. Search the whole lot of you? All but stage nine over there. That's locked up tighter than a drum. I can't pick locks the way the great Carter does. Okay, I'll take care of those. Uh, Riley, why don't you go on down to stage three? They're going to start shooting the picture pretty soon, and I'd feel a lot more comfortable if someone were on guard there. We've had enough murders for one day. I suppose you think this is a gag, having us get all dressed up like merry villagers or something. It's not a gag, Patsy. It's insurance. What do you mean? Just what I said. When we're dressed up in our regular clothes, everybody in the lot knows who we are. But anyone seeing us dressed up like this will think we're actors and never look at us twice. I never thought I'd live to see the day when people wouldn't stare at Nick Carter, master detective, all dressed up in knee pants. Quiet. Did you check with Scubby? Yep. But just as Stone said, Tyson was hurt in that explosion and then just sort of vanished. Hasn't been heard of since. Hmm. That takes care of that. Well, here's stage nine. The only place that hasn't been searched either by Riley or me. What do you expect to find? I don't know. It's funny, this door isn't locked. Everything else in the lot has been. Yes. Riley distinctly said it was locked when he tried it. Well, keep your eyes open. There may be a reason for it being open now. Golly, it's dark inside here. Here. Take this flashlight. Okay. I've got another. Hey, Nick, look. There's an old makeup table. I wonder what kind of makeup they used in those days. Patsy, we haven't time to stop for you Nick, to look at makeup. Look here. Why, this makeup isn't old at all. What's that? No, this is the very latest type of movie makeup, and it's all new stuff. Well, good for you, Patsy. Yes, there's something funny about this. Definitely, Nick. 
But this panchromatic makeup wasn't developed until Technicolor came in. They didn't use this type of makeup back in the days when this studio was in use. Somebody must have been here since. And none of the actors are making up way over here. Right, Patsy. I'll make a detective out of you yet. Now let's see if we can find anything else. Oh, I'm getting creeps, Nick. I don't like it here. Patsy, I think we're getting warm. This is one of the first real clues with... Hey. Hmm? Recognize that? Wait. Well, that must be the glass tank they used to take that swimming sequence in the voodoo movie. Right you are. I wonder why they left it half full of water this way. When they finished taking that scene, they probably just walked off and left it here. Maybe. Don't forget they closed this place in a hurry. What are you doing? Patsy, this water is fresh. What? It'd be stale if it'd been here ten years. Stale and smelly. Hey, I'm beginning to think maybe Stone's right and there is a hex on this place. Too bad that voodoo picture wasn't in Technicolor. Those colored stones at the bottom of the tank would have showed up beautifully. They are beautiful, aren't they? Yes, you bet. Hey, Patsy. What? Look here. Those aren't just colored stones. They're... Douse your lights, Patsy, quick. We've got callers. Duck back here behind this crate. us all in the clink this morning with this snooping. Why the boss always swipes such important rock? Why didn't he settle for just a small fly? Now, the man we big after. time, that's why. He's got enough dough to pay all the bills until that stuff cools off. And when it's safe to handle, he'll smuggle it out of the country and sell it for plenty. What's he leave it lying around here for? Hidden in the old equipment. Now, now we know why boy never was thought anybody would ever come back here. Gosh, when that punk went into that storehouse, I bet he saw the works. Yeah, he did. The boss spotted him going in and just had time enough to get that knife and come back and nail him. And the kid was dashing back the stone to spill the beans. Gee, the boss is sure lucky. He ain't lucky, he's smart. He had Lippy planted up on that catwalk just in case somebody got an idea to go into that electrician's storeroom. And somebody did. Just that hang takes up. brains to know that. Well, you better get going, huh, Jake? Yeah, you start draining the tank so we can get the rocks. I'll get the makeup stuff. Why is he moving everything out now? Hey, he figures it'll cool off by now, and with the stuff he's going to lift from that door game this afternoon. You think I'm going to stay? Hold it, Patsy. Who's that? Hey, look. Over there, Jake. Two guys. Only come here. Run for it, Patsy. Run, run where? Go with me. You let her go, you lousy rat. Get away. Let her go. 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 It's Nick Carter, the dick. Well. Nick Carter? Hey. And a good-looking doll. Well, it's a good thing you called me in time. Now, what are we going to do with them now that we got them, huh? We can't just leave them lying around. Somebody's bound to notice them. Hey, the fish tank. Yeah, that's right. We'll throw them in there. Then when they're good and drowned, we'll drain the tank and get them and the other stuff out at the same time. Good idea, Lippy. Okay. Yeah, Pete, you lift the lid. You shut the girl in, Lippy. All right. Jake and I will dump that Carter guy in. It'll be a real pleasure to do something like this to a copper. Yeah. Come on. Ready? Go ahead. Put Carter in first. Okay. Here he goes. Happy swimming, Carter. Now dump the dame in, Jake. In you go, lady. Ah, That's okay. Hey, listen, guys. Suppose they get out. We'll see that they don't get out. Stokey, huh? 
Put the lid down on the tank. Okay, Jake. And I'll put this padlock on, and they're safe as if they was in jail. <laughs> That's good work. Hey, hey, look, boys, they're coming too. So what? Who cares now? Yeah, who cares? Flippy. Huh? Turn on the water. Okay. Here she comes, Jake. Two baby spots set up there, will you? This what you want? Ah, uh, that's better. Now, uh, open number two a little more. Okay. Uh, this is the take. Ready? Ready. Oh, Lights. Camera. All right. Action, Miss Dory. It was when I first opened your letter that I knew at last. As I opened the... No, 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 Lula, darling. Mean what you say. Remember, your lover has returned. Now, this was your big moment. Now, relax. Take it easy. Now, now come on, once more. Right, action? Come on. It was when I first opened your letter that I knew at last. As I opened the envelope, even before I read the words that you've written there, I realized that what I'd hoped for so long had at last... <laughs> What's the matter with those lights? Why aren't they... Turn on those lights. I'm in charge here. There'll be no confusion. Quiet, everybody. Quiet. The masked man. Who are you to tell me I'm the... Shut up, This is a holdup. A holdup. Look here, you. You can't pull a holdup. Quiet, I said. Quiet if you don't want a bullet hit you. Quiet. 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 The man's mad. That's better. Now, nobody will get hurt if you just keep quiet and do as you're told. Turn on that spotlight. Okay, boss. That's it. Now, all of you, line up against the wall there. Come on, get moving. I don't want to shoot, but I will if you make me. And shut up. Uh, you can't tell me to shut that up. That order includes you, too, Riley. Now, don't forget that although you can't see me with this spotlight shining in your eyes, I can see you very clearly. Now, each one of you in turn will step forward and put your valuables on that table and center stage. And don't try to hold out on me or it'll be bad for you. All right. We'll start with a star performer, Miss Lulu Doré. Please, Miss Doré, if you think I can't see her trying to hide behind the drapes over there, you're wrong. You're in this, too. Your jewels, please. No. No, not my emeralds. Surely you won't... Surely I will. It's those emeralds I'm particularly interested in. You don't think I care for the little wristwatches and pocketbooks I'm going to get from the rest of these people, do you? But you can't mean to take my emeralds. One more word out of you and I'll come after them myself. And if I do it... And where you are, Tyson, I've got you covered. Nick Carter! Nick, please be, is that you? Come and get me, Carter. Watch him, Riley, if you can. Turn the lights on, Patsy. Right, Nick, here they are. There he goes, Nick! (laughs) I missed him, darn it. Did you see where he went, Nick? There he goes, Mr. Carter, climbing up the... Climbing up the catwalk. Tyson, come down from there or I'll shoot. You haven't got a gun, Nick Carter. Yours is too wet to shoot after your little swim. But I've got my gun. Here! You missed me, Tyson, but I won't miss you. You may not know it, but my guns are absolutely waterproof. Nice work, Carter. You shot the gun right out of his hand. And now your gun's gone, Tyson. Come on down. Yeah. Come up here and get me. You haven't caught me yet. So long. 
Look at him run. He should make a misstep or lose his balance up there. He'd fall off and get a... Tyson! Tyson, stop! Stop! Look out! You don't slip there! Nick! He lost his balance! Watch out, Tyson! You say you want us to drop you at headquarters, Riley? If you will, Nick. Okay. You men get the rest of Tyson's gang, all right? He did. They're coming right behind us. Was Tyson badly hurt from his fall? Oh, no, not much. Just a broken ankle. He'll be all right. <laughs> all right, that is, until he gets to the electric chair. Oh, Nick, when I think of how close we came to drowning, I'm scared all over again. Hey, how did you say you got out of that tank, Nick? Believe it or not, Lieutenant, he cut a piece of that heavy glass with a diamond in his ring. Uh, what do you know? But, but look, if it was as easy as all that, well, what took you so long doing it, Nick? I had to wait until the thugs got out of the room. Then I just cut a nice little circle out of the glass, right beside where the padlock was, reached out, and picked the lock. All very simple. Uh, simple for you, maybe. Not for me. And you say you found the jewels Tyson had stolen in the bottom of the tank, eh? Yes, Riley. What Patsy and I thought were pretty colored stones. Turned out to be all the jewels Tyson had stolen during the last ten years, all unmounted and dumped in with the pebbles in the tank. But what made you first suspect Tyson, Nick? Well, Patsy, it was his voice first. Remember I told you after we saw him in the movie that I knew I had heard his voice somewhere very recently? Oh, so that's why that voice sounded so familiar. Can you imagine that? A movie star turned crook. Then there was the fact that Tyson had faded so completely out of sight after his accident. That looked fishy to me. No great star would have let his career be ruined without bringing a suit of some kind. Unless he had some plans of his own. And from what I learned from Scubby, we realized he never had brought suit. Yes, and a suit like that would have made all the tabloids. But how did you know Tyson and the Watchman were the same? I didn't, Patsy. Until you found that makeup kit. That panchromatic makeup is often used to cover scars. And then I remembered the scarred Gateman. It fitted. So did his voice, and the fact that he had the only remaining set of keys to the lot. And, of course, he had all the opportunity in the world. But I bet you didn't realize that the murders were tied up with the robberies. Not until we heard those crooks talking, I mean. Well, the makeup kit told me that, too. Remember, Patsy, how you always claimed that all those robberies were done by individuals, not a gang? Yes, but I still don't well, see Well, Tyson that. was a consummate actor, and he had complete knowledge of makeup. He disguised himself as a different character, I imagine, for each robbery. Evidently, he played his role expertly, since he succeeded in giving the impression that different people were committing the various thefts. But say, if that makeup was so good, well, why couldn't he have gone back to the movies instead of turning thief? Well, Riley, it was good enough for dim lights, but not for the sharp eyes of the camera. Oh, I see. Poor fellow. What an end for a great star. Yes. The explosion probably injured his mind, too. Well, one more thing, Nick. How did he get to be caretaker? Oh, I asked Stone that. He said he felt sorry for the man and had given him the job out of kindness. Oh. Well, that's all over now. Except that from now on I'm allergic to water anywhere, except in drinking glasses. This was another strange experience of Nick Carter, Master Detective, called The Glass Coffin, or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Voodoo Curse. Another of the curious adventures of Nick Carter, which are brought to you regularly at the same time by WOR Mutual. And now, Nick, 
Will you tell us something about your story for next week? Well, next week we leave this part of the country and are going out west to the mining districts of Montana. Did you go too, Patsy? Yes, I went along. Nick and Scubby did most of the work and had most of the excitement. I just stayed in the hotel and waited. Yes, that was the first case that Scubby and I really worked out together. And before they were through with it, Scubby very nearly went crazy, literally. And Nick just missed being buried alive. See, it started out to be a case of robbery. But it ended up with at least two murders and more excitement than I've had in a long time. Well, I hope it's as good as it sounds. It's better. But more of that next week. So long. So long, folks. We'll be seeing you. And so long to you, Nick and Patsy. In the strange adventure you've just heard, Nick Carter was impersonated by Lon Clark, Patsy by Helen Choate. The story was written for Nick Carter by Nancy and Jean Webb. Original music was played by Lou White. The entire production was under the direction of Jock McGregor. Next week at the same time, Another curious experience of Nick Carter entitled... The Flying Duck Murders. Or Nick Carter and the Mysterious Gold Thieves. This story is a copyrighted feature of Street and Smith Publications Incorporated. The Return of Nick Carter is produced in the studios of WOR and is broadcast over most of these stations every Monday evening at 9.30 Eastern Wartime. Stay tuned for Eve Arden as Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Our Miss Brooks and all the gang in an episode that was first broadcast in 1951. Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks under the direction of Al Lewis. Well, in the daily life of our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, teaching itself only takes up a portion of her time. This leaves a number of free hours each day to pursue an outside interest. But it doesn't leave quite enough free hours, especially since my outside interest refuses to stand still long enough for me to drop a net over him. (laughs) In fact, lately, I've even considered taking up another outside activity besides Mr. Boynton. Like the one my landlady began recently. Mrs. Davis was quite reticent about her hobby until last Wednesday morning at breakfast when she gave me a broad hint. Notice anything different about the table this morning, Connie? Well, the big cat's abstain in front of my place is gone. (laughs) It's under your egg cup, dear. (laughs) Yes, again. Oh, of course. The big bowl of apples in the center. What a delicious display. I'm glad you like it, Connie. It's a hat. (laughs) Who designed it, William Tell? (laughs) No, I did. You probably don't know this, but years ago, I used to design hats like mad. Why, you mad hat are you? (laughs) I never would have suspected. You seem so normal in some other respects. Well, I haven't had the yen in years, but last week my brother Victor sent me some samples of the material his firm makes, and you know my brother Victor, don't you? I've heard you speak of him quite often. (laughs) He's a peculiar man, Victor. Rather a slow-moving type of fellow, but once he gets interested in something, he follows right through. 
The last couple of years, he's been up to his ears in plastics. No wonder he's slow moving. <laughs> but what has plastic got to do with your designing hats again? That's what they're made of. I'll bet you never even noticed that this is really two hats in one. Two in one? Yes. Worn this way, it looks like a bowl of apples. But when you turn it around like this, it's a sparrow. <laughs> well, what a novel idea. If you're out with a man you like, you tempt him with an apple. And if your date is a drip, he gets the bird. <laughs> of them all made up so far. They should be easy to sell with Mother's Day coming this Sunday. Well, I don't know, Mrs. Davis. They're a bit unusual for popular consumption, I'm afraid. Not if they're presented right, Connie. And that's where you come in. I want you to help me sell them at school. Me? Yes. If you sell all four of them, I'll deduct, deduct half of the back rent you owe me. Oh. And it shouldn't be difficult to sell them. It isn't as if they were hard to move. Not if the wind is right. <laughs> of course, if I could reduce my debt to you, that... Oh, that must be Walter Denton. He's driving me down to school. Come on in, Walter. Try to sell him one for his mother, Connie. I'll get into the kitchen and rustle up some goodies for Walter's inner man. Better get some for his outer man, too. <laughs> Greetings to the brightest star in the scholastic firmament. <laughs> It's a little early for me to twinkle, Walter, but sit down. You're going to have a bit of breakfast with us, aren't you? Well, I might be persuaded to partake of a wee morsel if you coax me. <laughs> and if I don't coax you? You couldn't be that cruel. <laughs> All right, then. What'll it be? French toast? Eggs? Riddle cake? Fine. <laughs> Mrs. Davis? Yes, Connie? Walter's here. Vacuum the kitchen and bring in the bag. I'm cooking up a giant omelet for him, dear. He's the little giant that can eat it. You know, I don't know what's happening at home, but my mother just doesn't seem to be making the breakfast she used to. Well, maybe she's just worn out. Oh, well, she does cook an awful lot of meals for us. Of course she does, Walter. And while we're on the subject, how much thought have you given to her Mother's Day gift? Oh, quite a bit. And I've come up with something that should show her how grateful I am for all she's done for me. I'm going to get her a present that'll make her forget the many menial and arduous tasks she performs in my behalf. What's the present? A bottle of sweet air for the kitchen. <laughs> what do you think of the idea, Miss Brooks? It smells. <laughs> I mean, it smells very pleasant. Of course, I'd like to get her something else, too, but... On my allowance, unless my dad chips in, I couldn't afford much. Walter, I have a suggestion for a gift that your dad will be happy to chip in for. Just look at the center of this table. Holy cow, is it alive? <laughs> Certainly not. It happens to be a woman's hat. A woman's hat? <laughs> Boy, you're joking, of course. <laughs> joking nothing. I'm wearing it to school this morning. Say, that'd make a wonderful decoration for our dining room table at home. A mother always likes to have something gay and colorful in the center of the table. That's what I say. It would make a wonderful decoration for your dining room table at home.
Wait up a minute, Miss Brooks. Who's that? It's me, Tex Barton. Howdy, ma'am. Howdy, Tex. <laughs> you seem in a hurry, ma'am. Why, when I flagged you, you was barreling across this campus like a doggie that just smelled a branding iron. <laughs> well, it's not that bad. Although I do have to see Mr. Conklin before class. Well, I... Glory be to Sam Houston. And hallelujah to Dave Dallas. What's up? <laughs> Miss Brooks, have you any idea of the activity that's going on up there in the upper regions of your anatomy? What? Skin me for a lizard if there ain't a sparrow eating apples off in your skull. <laughs> now, now, calm down, Tex. This is just a new style of hat. A hat? Well, you could have fooled me. By the way, Mother's Day is just around the corner. Have you decided on a gift for your mother yet? I've been thinking a lot about that, Miss Brooks, but it's kind of tough to figure out what it please, Mom. Maybe I can help you. I doubt it, ma'am. For Christmas, Pa and I got her some brand new riding boots and stirrups. And for her birthday, we got her a pair of chaps and a Stetson. Uh, and for Easter, uh, we decked her out in a spanking new box of saddles. So, <laughs> so you see, she's got just about everything a normal woman needs. <laughs> a normal woman who's competing in a rodeo, you mean. <laughs> Look, Tex, a hat like the one I'm wearing would make a lovely gift, and it's only $10. It sure is flashy, Miss Brooks. Pa and I could afford that much, but there's a couple of things that have to be done to it first. For instance? Well, do you think you could make two holes in it? Holes? Yeah, uh-huh. So as her ears could come through. <laughs> so her ears could come through? Tex, your mother must have a very low forehead. Well, I wouldn't give it to my mother, Miss Brooks. I'd just be getting it for my mother to give to Lucy. Lucy? She's our horse. <laughs> she sure will look beautiful in it. I'm sure she will, Tex. You can pick up the hat at Mrs. Davis's today. Today? When would be a good time, ma'am? The same time you leave the $10. But, Daddy, please be reasonable. There isn't time for me to pick out your Mother's Day gear. I didn't ask you into my office to argue, Harriet. I should think you'd want to see your mother receive a nice present. I do, Daddy. And I'm getting her one with most of my allowance. But your gift to her is something else again. She always expects something outstanding. Well, obviously, my dear, she married me, didn't she? <laughs> yes, but about other things, she's pretty particular. <laughs> I mean, well, I wouldn't mind selecting something for you, but you always insist that I find a bargain. There's nothing wrong with being frugal, Harriet. It's a bit... Come in. Good morning, Mr. Conklin. Hello, Harriet. Hi, Miss Brooks. Hello, Miss... Good grief! Something has alighted on your hair. <laughs> but, Mr. Conklin... Don't Mrs. stand there, Harriet. Get a net. <laughs> Maybe we can trap it for our nature study group. It happens to be a hat, Mr. Conklin. It's oh. very exciting, Miss Brooks. Now, if you'll excuse me, Daddy. Very I'll... well, but I'll talk to you later, Miss Important. Bye, Miss Brooks. <laughs> Mr. Conklin, knowing how fond of brevity you are, I'll come right to the point of my visit. Sunday is Mother's Day. 
How would you like to buy a hat like this for Mrs. Conklin? For Mrs. Conklin? Yes, don't you think she deserves something like this? Well, she has been a source of great irritation on occasion. <laughs> no, no, I'm not interested, Miss Brooks. If I can sell one of these hats, it will help get me out of debt, Mr. Conklin. Besides, it's a real bargain. I'm sorry, I'm definitely not in the... Did you say a bargain, Miss Brooks? <laughs> yes, sir, much cheaper than you can get it on the open market. Where did you get it? Let's just say I have access, Mr. Conklin. These hats aren't hot, are they? <laughs> Hottest thing in town. Oh, you mean stolen. No, sir, they're not stolen. Although you could call them a steal at $10 each. $10? For a few apples and a small sparrow? <laughs> it's evident, Mr. Conklin, that you haven't heard how meat and fruit have gone up. <laughs> but think of how exclusive this hat is Well, for my wife, it would have to be Miss Brooks She has an absolute fanatic uh, uh, approach and, uh, on individualized apparel She wouldn't be caught dead in anything that even resembled what someone else was wearing Mr. Conklin, when it comes to this hat, I give you my unqualified guarantee You do? Absolutely Believe me, she won't be caught dead in it <laughs> Brush your teeth with Colgate. Colgate Dental Cream, it cleans your breath. What a toothpaste. While it cleans your teeth. Colgate toothpaste. Cleans your breath. What a toothpaste. While it cleans your teeth. Colgate Dental Cream cleans your breath. While it cleans your teeth. And the Colgate way stops tooth decay best. Yes, the Colgate way is the most thoroughly proved and accepted home method of oral hygiene known today. Over two years' research showed brushing teeth right after eating with Colgate Dental Cream helped stop more decay for more people than ever before reported in dentifrice history. The Colgate way stopped tooth decay best. No other dentifrice, ammoniated or not, offers such conclusive proof. And you should know that Colgate's, while not mentioned by name, was the only toothpaste used in the research on tooth decay recently reported in Reader's Digest. So always follow the Colgate way to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. And stop tooth decay best. Brush your teeth with Colgate. Colgate dental cream. It cleans your breath. What a toothpaste. What cleans your teeth. And the Colgate way, stop tooth decay best. By the time I was to meet Mr. Boynton at lunch, I had sold three of the four hats Mrs. Davis had made up. One to Walter Denton for his mother to be used as a table centerpiece, one to Tex Barton for his horse to be used as an eye shade, and one to Mr. Conklin for his wife to be used, of all things, as a hat. I had the sample hat on when Mr. Boynton came over to our table. Hello, Miss Brooks. Sorry I'm late. I couldn't get here any sooner. That's all right, Mr. Boynton. Put down your tray. Thank you. Notice anything different about me today? Different? Let's see. Well, for heaven's sake, I, I apologize for being late. You oughtn't to go to such lengths to chide me about it. To chide you? Well, yes, after all, this is a public eating place. You shouldn't balance your dessert on your head. <laughs> 
Boynton, this happens to be a hat. <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Brooks. I'm afraid I dropped my cutlery. You should be more careful, Mr. Boynton. <laughs> that knife might have dented your meatloaf. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I frightened you so. Oh, I, I should be used to sights like this. When I was a kid, my mother always had some fantastic creations around the house. Really? How many brothers and sisters did you have? <laughs> you mean that? Well, may I remind you, Mr. Boynton, that Mother's Day will soon be with us? Well, so will my mother. <laughs> yes, she's coming down this afternoon to stay through the weekend. Unfortunately, Dad has to stay home on business, but Mom and I are going to have a high old time. Have you made all of your plans for celebrating the holiday, Mr. Boynton? Yes, indeed. Oh, it's, it's going to be one mad world for the both of us. I've got a four-day itinerary all mapped out. Oh, what are you going to do? Well, on Thursday, I thought I'd show Mom the new wing of our public library. Friday, we'll, we'll do the Museum of Natural History, and, and Saturday, we'll have a go at the Botanical Garden. Wow. Well, there's not going to be any let-up in the evenings, either. If we're not playing chess or checkers, I'll whip out the old domino set. <laughs> By the way, can you think of anything that might add to the merriment, Miss Brooks? Yes, but I think the morgue is closed on weekends. <laughs> that is, I do have a suggestion that might be quite a surprise for your mother. Oh, what is it? you get her a nice hat? You said yourself that she used to like unique hats. I'm sorry, Miss Brooks. I'm not interested. Oh, that's too bad, Mr. Boynton. It's a real bargain. Well, I'd like to get her something, of course, but this is just out of... Did you say a bargain? <laughs> Never misses. <laughs> Where did you get the hat, Miss Brooks? The truth is I'm disposing of them for Mrs. Davis. They're only $10 apiece. <laughs> Ten dollars a piece. Get your jaw out of the potatoes, and I'll make it. I I guess we could arrive at some sort of a deal, Miss Brooks. But there's one thing of which I, I must be certain. What's that? Well, that my mother doesn't see any other woman wearing a hat like it. Mom's a fanatic on individualized apparel. I'll sell her the very one I'm modeling today, Mister Boynton. Bring her over to my place about 8.30 tonight, and we'll surprise her with it. All right, but you're sure now that she'll be the only woman to have this particular hat? While she's in town, your mother will be the only woman seen wearing this particular hat. Good. <laughs> well, I'm going to get myself some dessert now, Miss Brooks. Would you like me to bring something back for you? Yes, I would, Mr. Boynton. I'd like a Coke. The five-cent size will do. Very well. That's all I want right now, Mr. Boynton. Okay. Oh, here. Thanks. I'll just be a minute, Miss Brooks. Take your time, sporty. <laughs> Somebody's got to teach him that money isn't everything. Especially my money. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, hello, Miss Brooks. I thought I'd find you here. May I speak with you for a moment? Oh, of course, Mr. Conklin. Oh, thank you, thank you. Now, about that hat I agreed to buy for my wife, 
I want it to be a complete surprise. She mustn't see it until Sunday. I'll say she mustn't. I mean, it, it wouldn't be a surprise if she did. Now, there's one important factor we overlooked in our discussion this morning, Miss Brooks. I neglected to give you my wife's measurements. Well, I'll take them right now. How far apart are your wife's ears? <laughs> far apart are her ears? Sorry, that was another customer. <laughs> what is her head size? Well, I don't know, but I'll find out this afternoon and check with you at home this evening. Uh, what would be a good time? After midnight. That is, <laughs> any time, sir, any time at all. Now, you must have many more important things to do, and I'll be happy to excuse you, sir. If you really have to dash away, I know how those things are. I've had things to do myself. Uh, I'm Ms. expecting Ms. someone... Mr. Brooks, <laughs> I don't quite comprehend this conversational St. Vitus dance you're indulging in. But if you're always this nervous during mealtime, it's a wonder you haven't got an ulcer. Oh, I had an ulcer, Mr. Conklin. I had a nice big one two years after I began teaching school. You did? How did you get rid of it? I just couldn't afford to keep it. I don't know what you're so jittery about, Connie. Everything's gone swimmingly so far. Walter Denton picked up the hat for his mother during lunch period. I know, Mrs. Davis. And Tex Barton came over right after school to get the specially prepared one you phoned me about. My goodness, but his mother must have long ears. <laughs> you want to see his mother's mane. I mean, those aren't the ones I'm jittery about. It's Mr. Conklin and Mr. Boynton. I promised them both that they were buying a completely original creation. Well, they are that Connie. The fact that they're identical shouldn't bother you. After all, Mrs. Boynton will be leaving town right after Mother's Day. Yes, but Mr. Boynton's bringing her here tonight to pick it up, and Mr. Conklin will want his wife's hat as soon as he gives me her measurements. But if he runs into Mrs. Boynton anywhere before Sunday... Now, now, calm down, dear, calm down. When do you expect the Boynton? No! <laughs> now. Uh... Well, I'll go make some tea and you let them in. Mrs. Boynton's hat is right on the hall table, Tommy. Thanks. Well, here we are, Miss Brooks. You remember my mother. I'll never forget her. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Boynton. Come in for a second. How are you, Connie? It's been ages since I've seen you. Oh, Mom couldn't wait to see your surprise, Miss Brooks. Oh, then I'll get it for her right away. Meanwhile, just help yourself to some fruit on this hall table. That is, as soon as the sparrow gets through helping himself. <laughs> that is, here's your new hat. How do you like it? Well, it's certainly different. Oh, I knew you'd love it. Well, now that you've seen it, I don't want to keep you and Mr. Boynton another minute. You must have lots to talk over, so don't stand on ceremonies. Just toddle right along, and I'll see you later in the week. Bye. <laughs> We're really in no great rush, Miss Brooks. <laughs> As a matter of fact, <laughs> Philip suggested that we might spend the evening with you. Oops. <laughs> I told Mom you'd jump at the idea. I thought we'd play a few games of checkers, Connie. I'll never forget how exciting it was the last time we played. There was one crowning after another. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> but I'm afraid I can't ask you to stay for checkers, Mrs. Boynton. Mrs. Davis has a splitting headache. But, Miss Brooks, how could a game of checkers disturb Mrs. Davis? Please, Mr. Boynton, if you were lying down with a headache, how would you like to hear someone constantly jumping in the next room? <laughs> now, if you'll just 
excuse me. That's the doorbell, isn't it? Maybe Miss Brooks has another engagement, Philip. Perhaps we'd better be leaving. I wouldn't think of letting you budge from this house. Mr. Boynton, I insist that you take your mother into the living room and let her try on her checkerboard, a fruit bowl. (laughs) Here, take it with you, dear. There's a wonderful mirror near the piano. Well, if you're sure. Never been surer. Go along, Mr. Boynton. Very well. It's right this way, Mother. Brooks? Walter, what are you doing here? It's 12 hours until breakfast. <laughs> I have to bring the hat back, Miss Brooks. Aren't you going to ask me in? Not if I can help it. <laughs> well, only be a minute. It's important. All right, but please hurry. What's the trouble, Walter? Well, I showed my dad this hat you sold us for a centerpiece, Miss Brooks. And he didn't like it? Well, he's crazy about it. But he wants a slight change made. He says if you'll wire it up so we can use it as a lamp, he'll give you an extra $3. If he'll make it $5, I'll put in a motor and he can drive it to work. Get into the dining room immediately. Take the hat with you quick. Yeah, but Mr. I'll explain later. Get going. Okay, but I wish I knew what was happening around here. Good evening, Miss Brooks. Well, I've got my wife's head measurements on this sheet of paper. Thanks, Mr. Conklin. Good night. <laughs> just, just a moment. There are a few things I have to tell you. Yes, sir. Come in. I got these measurements from the milliner with whom my wife does quite a large business. Oh, pardon me, numbers... uh, Mom would like a drink of water. Oh, hello, Mr. Conklin. Oh, hello, Barton. I'll get it myself if you just help me. Oh, I didn't know someone was with you, Connie. Oh, there isn't. It's just Mr. Conklin. <laughs> this is Mrs. Boynton, Mr. Conklin. How do you do, Miss? What is she doing with my wife's hat on her head? <laughs> Your wife's hat, Mr. Conklin? Philip, you didn't buy me the same hat Mr. Conklin bought for his wife, did you? Oh, I didn't intend to, Mother. Miss Brooks, what seems to have happened? Shouldn't happen to a sparrow. <laughs> Look, folks, there's been a slight mix-up, but I'm sure it'll come out all right by Mother's Day. After all, there are only two of you wearing the hats, and you won't be seen together any place. Well, that's true enough. You do have a point there. There's no air in that dining room, Miss Brooks. I, uh, I didn't know you had company. Oh, this is Walter Denton, one of our pupils, Mother. Walter, this is my mother. Glad to know you, Walter. Same here, Mrs. Boynton. I... You say, what are you doing with my mother's centerpiece on your head? <laughs> Your mother's centerpiece, Denton? Oh, hello, Mr. Conklin. Yeah, my dad and I are going to have it changed into a lamp before we give it to her, though. See, we'll put the wire right through here, and then we'll take... Oh, Miss Brooks. (laughs) My wife and Mrs. Boynton are the only two people with these original creations. I'd give a lot to know just who else is wearing these assembly line special... Is that? It, it sounded like a horse. That's just what it is, our milkman's horse. You see, the milkman is sick, so the horse is making the rounds alone. Green <laughs> today, Lucy. She's very clever. She must be to ring the doorbell by herself. 
Miss Brooks, open the door. Yes, sir. Howdy, Miss Brooks. Lucy and I were just eloping by, so I thought I'd show you how nice she looks in her new bonnet. But, Petch, Petch, you shouldn't have brought her right up to the front door like this. (laughs) What is going on here? Why is this beast sticking her head... They got the same hat she sold me for Lucy, Miss Brooks? Yes, Tex, but it's... Shucks, if I'd have known that, I'd have never bought it. Lucy's a, a fanatic, fanatic on individualized apparel, I know. <laughs> Miss Brooks, just what do you propose to do about these hats? I'm going to take them out to our backyard and put them up in the tree. A tree? Yes, these hats are strictly for the birds. <laughs> in just a moment. Now, the case of the close scrape featuring Arthur Griffin, mail carrier. Here's what Mr. Griffin told us. Listen. Here's exactly what happened. Shaving was just one close scrape after another for me, and then I discovered Palmolive Lather Shave Cream and a new, different way to shave. Palmolive's oceans of rich, thick lather ended my worries about scrapes, burns, and nicks. Why, even in cold or hard water, that Palmolive Lather way is super smooth, super comfortable. Take Arthur Griffin's advice, men. The new Palmolive Lather Way gets beards really soft, and it provides a protective film that actually floats your razor's cutting edge. You get a clean, close shave every time without worry about scraping or nicking, even in cold or hard water. Arthur Griffin and 1,200 other men tested Palmolive Lather Cream following package directions, and three out of four reported smoother, more comfortable shaves the Palmolive Shave Cream way. No matter how they shaved before, better get Palmolive Lather Shave Cream. Remember, even in cold or hard water, the Palmolive Lather way means smoother, more comfortable shave. Now, once again, here is Eve Arden. What would you do to protect your family and yourself in case of a sudden atom bomb attack? It may never happen, but it could. Remember, you can survive an atom bomb attack if you know what to do. Get a copy of the official air raid instructions from your local civil defense organization. Or write to Superintendent of Documents, Washington, D.C., enclosing five cents in coin or stamp. Learn the instructions by heart and see that everyone in your family does, too. Be smart. Be prepared. This is Burns Smith reminding you to tune in next week to another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Palmoly Shave Cream, your smoother, more comfortable way to shave, and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written by Al Lewis and Arthur Aldsberg, with the music of Wilbur Hatch. Thank you for listening. Thanks as well to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor.
Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.